0: What's going on everyone and welcome into to Plazon's podcast filled to the brim with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes so cold that they're boiling hot. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by none other than Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website today to get both delivery and takeout deals. They've got a wonderful deal right now getting a large one topping pizza for just $7.99. Thank you so much to Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Now, In today's episode, we are getting into every aspect of the NFL and all of the latest news. We're talking the retirement of the GOAT, recent coaching hires, a crime, Super Bowl contenders for next year, and then we're going to get into a little bit of basketball. And last but certainly not least, we've got Plissoltz Locks. We are locked in today. We slammed big on Curry's play last time. We got absolutely screwed over by Iowa State versus Texas Tech. Go look up that game, insane finish. All right, first up, at last, we have seen the end of the last chapter of the greatest career in sports history. Tom Brady announced this morning that he's officially calling it quits exactly one year after his first retirement. Tears began to build in his eyes near the end of his Instagram post, and it seems that That even he fully understands that this is truly it. I don't think anyone in the world, not a single person, not a soul, loves the game of football more than he does. This man has three Hall of Fame careers in one. First, from 2000 to 2006, he goes from sixth round draft pick to three-time Super Bowl winner, two of which got him a Super Bowl MVP, and he also had three Pro Bowl selections. Next, from 2007 to 2013, he decided it was time to take a break from winning Super Bowls and time to make the world declare him the best quarterback in football. Won two MVPs, along with two All-Pro selections, and six more Pro Bowl appearances. Next, from 2014 to 2020, this is the section that immortalized him and truly made him the greatest athlete in sports history. Four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs, one MVP, and one All-Pro. I don't think anyone has ever made comparisons like this, but you could argue that Tom Brady, not not figuratively, but literally had three Hall of Fame careers in one. His first had as many Super Bowls and more Super Bowl MVPs than Troy Aikman. His second had more MVPs and stats than Dan Marino. And his third had as many Super Bowls, Super Bowl MVPs as Joe Montana. Are we serious? I'm going to keep blowing your mind. Tom Brady has the fourth most playoff wins if he were his own franchise. His own franchise. He has 19 more Then fifth place, the Baltimore Ravens have 16, he has 35 playoff wins. He has more passing yards than Terry Bradshaw, Ken Stabler, and Steve McNair combined. He's got the same amount of touchdowns as Donovan McNabb, Kurt Warner, and Randall Cunningham combined. His greatness breaks the boundaries of all statistics, memories, but most of all, legends. Brady's career can't be summarized by anything less than a 500-page book that discusses coming in for Bledsoe, the Super Bowl drought, Gronk, the greatness, the greatest comeback in football history, Tampa Bay, the list can go on and on. It's infinite. With all that being said, as a fan of the game, I'm honored to have gotten to watch Tom Brady play my entire life, and it's safe to say that the game will never be the same. Congratulations on every accomplishment, Tom Brady, and enjoy retirement and that lovely $375 million contract at Fox. No one will ever catch Brady in accomplishments in my lifetime. So let's look at maybe who's the second greatest quarterback of all time. In my opinion, it's Joe Montana right now. Right behind him is Peyton Manning as a close third But mark my words, in just five short years, I think Patrick Mahomes will take both of their places and have the slimmest shot to pass Brady as the goat. I don't think it's ever gonna happen, but he does have a shot. Now, just in five years' time from now, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have three Super Bowls, three MVPs, three Super Bowl MVPs, and plenty of All Pros and Pro Bowl selections. In my mind, he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. Similar to Brady, like in the first five or six years, he's already had a Hall of Fame career. Now, he can have another one and maybe even another one. His talent surpasses every present and past quarterback, which sets him up for nothing but success for the imminent future. As long as Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey stick around, Mahomes will be around Lombardi trophies. Book it. Now, speaking of Lombardi's and team Super Bowl windows being open and closed, this team's Super Bowl just opened so wide you could throw an F-150 and it would slide right through. The Denver Broncos signed and traded for Sean Payton. This is my freezing cold take, so cold that it's boiling hot. Look, I know everyone and their mother saw what happened when Russ got to Cook this past year. Not only is the kitchen burned down, but so is the entire house, the garage, and the stable. And now we'll never have to hear Broncos country, let's ride, ever again. But who better to build an offense's foundation on than Sean Payton in this new head coaching pool? The Broncos, to me, meet all of the criteria for Super Bowl contender. An offensive coach who has an amazing pedigree and tons of experience a quarterback whose cap hit is less than 12% and has been elite at times in his career. Plenty of salary cap, not a lot of free agents, plenty of receivers and weapons, and not a top five, but a top three defense. Not only that, but the Broncos, like I said, only have two semi-important free agents this offseason, none of which are going to affect Russell Wilson's ability to throw next year. Sean Payton and Russ can go to work getting this offense right, and the defensive scheme can basically stay the same. Denver also will have a last-place schedule. I think a lot of people forget that, and they still have decent amounts of cap room to pull free agents in this offseason. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen because of what happened this past year, but I think they are a top-five Super Bowl contender. Just beware. Just beware. Don't say I didn't tell you because I definitely did. I think the Broncos are back this year. Now, speaking of Sean Payton being hired as a new coach, we had two other coaches that got hired this week. First up, Frank Reich was the first of these three to get hired. He got hired to the Carolina Panthers. Now, I do like this move by Carolina, but what Frank Reich needs more than anything is a quarterback. I am so unbelievably upset that he got Andrew Luck for a year and went to the playoffs. Then he got Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger. I mean, who cares who they were? It is pathetic that that's the quarterback talent that one of the best minds in football got to work with. I think the Panthers, they have to draft a quarterback. They're not signing anybody. They, I mean, I take that back. They might be able to get Derek Carr, but if it's not Derek Carr, please, for God's sakes, draft a quarterback. Frank Wright needs time to develop him. I think that the Panthers are going to give him that time. I do love this hire. Almost every single coach in the divisional round was offensive. The only one that was not was Sean McDermott. So Panthers, Frank Wright, love it. Now on the flip side, a defensive-minded head coach, D'Amico Ryans, was signed to the Texans to be their next head coach. And almost every single time that somebody hires a defensive head coach, I don't like it. But I love this hire by the Texans. Why? Because the Texans don't need to win games necessarily right now. What they need is a culture setter, kind of like what the Jets had with Robert Sala. D'Amico Ryan's coming from the exact same coaching tree, coming from the exact same side of the football that Robert Sala came from. Okay, I think this is a really good hire. I love how passionate he is. He's a former Texan. He's a really good player. He's an excellent defensive coach. Top five defense this year for the 49ers. I think he's going to get a lot of defensive talent in there, like Derek Stingley, who I don't know if you guys noticed, played in the flats all year. This man could be having a Sauce Gardner-type season, but instead he was limited to just covering, I don't know, in like a Tampa 2. Now, I don't know that many defensive schemes. I'm not you know an expert on that, but ridiculous what the Texans did with Derek Stingley this year. Put him in man. Let him show you why he's a top 10 draft pick. D'Amico Ryans will do exactly that. I love that hire. I think the Texans have a chance to not make any noise next year, but they could win four or five games and look very promising for the future. They also need a quarterback and a good offensive coordinator. So we'll see who D'Amico Ryans can get for that. Moving on completely from from NFL coaching hires, let's talk about something extremely uh, disturbing and upsetting this is a graphic warning if you guys don't want to listen to this part of the podcast. Skip about two minutes and 30 seconds later, and we'll be done talking about this. Eagles backup offensive lineman Josh Sills was arrested today on felony rape and kidnapping charges. Now, obviously, the court system and the way that our country works is you are innocent until proven guilty, but these are some pretty damning allegations. This is a huge distraction for the Eagles. Sills apparently. Uh, kept a woman in his car, and physically assaulted her. I'm not sure on any more details. All I know is he was arrested this morning. I think this is a massive distraction for the Eagles, like I said. But let me just say this. This happened back in 2019. And I am just in utter awe that this is now just coming to light. Not in the sense that the Eagles are making the Super Bowl, so this is now coming to light. I'm talking about this should have been handled in 2019-2020. And I'm not talking about from a publicity media perspective. I'm talking about from a criminality perspective. How in the world do teams not do their due diligence on these players? I get that you can do like a quick Instagram search and a quick Google search, but there's got to be more than that. There needs to be some kind of investigations into all of these players just because from an accountability standpoint, how could you even justify keeping him on the roster now? Now, obviously, like I said, innocent until proven guilty, but that's only in a court system. That has nothing to do with contracts or private businesses. It just it upsets me very much that this is a topic of conversation right now, a week and a half before the Super Bowl. It's going to be a topic of conversation in all of the press conferences. I would just really like to see the NFL get better about making sure they know who is on these NFL rosters. And that's about it. That's all I really have to say about that. I think the Eagles are a little distracted this week. Now, they do have a whole another week before the Super Bowl, but this is something that can weigh on a team and cause them to slip. Uh, I do believe that Jalen Hurts is the leader out of anybody in the NFL to get his teammates past it, and I do expect Philadelphia to get in there and mean business when it comes to competing for a Super Bowl. I appreciate you all listening to that rant. Um, like I said, I just want the NFL to be more accountable for their actions in signing these players who have troubled pasts. Moving on, speaking of Super Bowls, Let's talk about who can compete for a Super Bowl next year. Now, I already talked about the Broncos, okay? But let's talk about what qualifies you as a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. There has not been a Super Bowl winner that has caused less than 12.5% of the cap in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So that is a qualification. You have to be an above-average quarterback, in my opinion, to win a Super Bowl. You have to have a good offense, a really good defense, a good coach. You have to have salary cap room for this offseason. So right now I only have I have 6 teams that can compete, not 5. We've got 6. First up is the Bengals. Now why? Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback. He's on his rookie contract. The Bengals have a lot of free agents this offseason, but they have the third most cap room out of anyone to re-sign some of their free agents and even pull in some others from around the league. Two, the San Francisco 49ers. Why? Now, they don't have a quarterback per se. Trey Lance is probably going to be their QB but it's undetermined. But regardless, whoever the quarterback is, is probably going to be cheap. And guess what that leaves? A lot of cap room to sign some other free agents. They've got a stacked roster. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel on the offensive side, Fred Warner, Greenlaw, both the wards. I mean, you name it, they've got it. That's, That's just my opinion. I think that the 49ers can compete for yet another Super Bowl. Maybe they'll finally win one. Now third, the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got Patrick Mahomes. Simple as that. They also have some cap room. Got a few free agents, but Patrick Mahomes is the answer to that. They also have Travis Kelce and Andy Reid, two of the greatest offensive weapons in football. Andy Reid's mind and Travis Kelce's ability to get open. I love the Chiefs. I think they're going to compete for more Super Bowls coming in the next few years. Fourth, the Philadelphia Eagles. Why? Jalen Hurts on his rookie contract makes everything cheap. He was a second-round pick, too, so hella cheap. They have a lot of free agents this offseason, but they have a ton of cap space. They have the ability to re-sign some of those guys on like veteran minimum deals. But if not, they still can pull in some people and they've got a decent amount of draft picks. Fifth, the Baltimore Ravens, with a caveat. With a caveat. They have to keep Lamar Jackson. If they cannot keep Lamar Jackson, this deal's over with. I don't think they're competing for Super Bowls without him. Their entire offense has been uh, kind of created around Lamar Jackson. Now, they could redesign it without him, but they'd have to have a replacement quarterback, which I don't think they have. So, Ravens with the caveat. Last but not least, we already talked about them, the Denver Broncos. Cheap, good quarterback, good coach, lots of weapons, top three defense. Those are my six contenders. So, we've got actually two in the NFC and four in the AFC. I think that's pretty much what we saw this year. Instead of the Buffalo Bills next year, it's going to be the Denver Broncos. I don't think the Bills are going to be able to win a Super Bowl next year. They're going to pay Josh Allen a ton of money, and they're going to have to lose – some of those free agents that they've got this offseason because they're also paying Von Miller, who is out with a torn Achilles or an ACL. Now, changing subjects completely. We're moving on from football. That's all the football news we have today. Appreciate you guys listening to that. Next up, we've got who is going to win the Western Conference? Okay. We have got one team who's won it quite a few times in the last eight years. Who is that? The Golden State Warriors. <sighs> Again. Now, I'm a Warriors fan, so I love this, but I know a lot of listeners and fans of the NBA do not like that the Warriors are probably going to win it again. Now, I don't respect the Pelicans. I don't think the Nuggets can win with just Jokic. The Clippers are just going to become injury-prone. Obviously, the Lakers are not a topic of conversation right now. Neither are the Kings. Neither are the Mavericks. It's the Luka Doncic show, similar to the Nuggets and Jokic. They're not really going to compete. The only competition that I can actually see in the West right now, the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns have a decent chance, but Chris Paul has been injury prone this year, and he's old, extremely old. And Devin Booker, everybody sees him as a one. I think he's the best shooting guard, but I don't think he's the guy to win a championship. That's a freezing cold take, so cold that it's boiling hot. But regardless, Curry is on an MVP-type season again. He's averaging nearly 30 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Insane. Draymond is making another case for Defensive Player of the Year. He's played in almost every single game this year, except for maybe back-to-backs. I think that's really impressive from uh, you know a load management style league now. He's still out there fighting like a dog. I like that. Klay Thompson seems to have adopted more into his role of a catch-and-shoot guy. Now, he could revert when it comes down to playoff time, but I like Klay Thompson and who he is now. Speaking of that, I also like Jordan Poole and who he is now. There were a lot of rumors that he wanted a starting spot. He gets that starting spot every now and then. But a lot of the times, he comes off the bench and he lights it up. I think he's going to be a good six-man-of-the-year candidate. Now, Wiggins hasn't really played all season long. He's actually currently battling coming back from a COVID illness, I think. He's a great defender, a massive impact on the wing. I love the way he plays within this Warriors offense. That's going to be a huge part of this Warriors team that has been missing for quite some time. I love that Wiggins is coming back soon. Last but not least, the young guys still have space to grow. Now, there is pressure growing on that because Curry can't play like this forever. Draymond is getting older, as we can see. And Klay is obviously never going to be himself again. But I think the young guys still have time. Speaking of the young guys, there's a lot, a lot of good role players on this team that I really want to see more of. Number one, Kevon Looney. I think Kevon Looney is a massive help down low. Gets a lot of blocks and a lot of rebounds while he's in the game. He plays limited minutes because the Warriors like to play small ball. But when he is in the game, he makes a huge impact. Number two, Dante DiVincenzo. Now he is probably the most important person that's not a star on this team. Why? Because the Warriors lack a lot of wing defense. When he comes in off the bench, he gives a ton of help on the wing. I like his play. I think he's part of the closing lineup this year. That's my opinion. Third, Jamichael Green. Jamichael Green has really not played that much this season, but I love what I've seen when I see him out there. He doesn't really fit within this Warriors team that well, but I can see him trying to get in his spots, and when he does, he looks really, really good. Fourth, Moses Moody. This guy plays his heart out every time I see him on the court. All he wants is minutes playing time to prove himself. I love that about Moses Moody, and I think that he's going to continue to make this kind of impact. I think the Warriors are going to win the West. I don't buy any other team except for maybe the Suns. And even them, I have my doubts about. Warriors are probably going to the finals with the Remax with the Celtics, maybe. We'll talk about the East in a couple of episodes. Now, we're getting into the greatest, the best, the most phenomenal part of the show. You guys can't understand how excited I am to dial up these locks for you day in and day out. Let's get into it. It's Pleasant's locks. First up, we've got an NBA parlay. Anthony Edwards under 28.5 versus the Warriors. The Warriors kind of clamp him up. He doesn't shoot that well. He's averaging less than 25 points a game in his last three meetings with the Warriors. 28.5 is a large number. He only averages 24. Not to mention, I think that Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are out today. I like Anthony Edwards under because he's going to be the focus of the Warriors' defense. Next up, Grizzlies money line versus Portland. The Grizzlies are five-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know if they can win by that much, but they are 21-3 at home, and the Trailblazers, I think, are sub-500 on on away games. I don't know if Damian Lillard can compete with John Morant anymore. Now, Damian Lillard still has you know his little Dame time thing. But John Morant is absolutely elite. I think he's going to play good defense on Lillard as well as control the pace of the game, which the the Trailblazers like to play slow a lot of the time, and the Grizzlies play pretty damn fast. I like the Grizzlies to win, and I like them to win big, but I'm just going to play it safe with the money line. Now, third in this parlay, the last part of this parlay, Jalen Brown under 26 and a half. The Celtics are playing the Nets. What does that mean? Jason Tatum is trying to show every Net fan that he is better now than Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant is questionable tonight, I think. He may or may not play. Regardless, the ball is going to Tatum. He is going to dominate this game. Jalen Brown's probably going to have, you know, 20 to 22 points, but not 24 and a half. I love this play. I think that Jalen Brown is a really good player. He shoots high percentage shots, but the shots tonight are going to Tatum. Jalen Brown, like I said, once again, under 26 and a half. All of that combined together, plus 426, book it. Next up, we got a little college basketball play. And when I say little college basketball, I'm talking about small schools. We're going niche. Niche plays tonight. First up, Samford. Samford Bulldogs. Shout out to Birmingham, Alabama. Minus 3.5 versus Western Carolina. A lot of you guys probably never even seen Samford basketball or even maybe heard of the university. But they have one of the best offenses in college basketball. Shoot really high percentage shots. Average a lot of points per game. It's over 75 points per game. And Western Carolina is a mid tier team in their conference. I think that Sanford can walk into Western Carolina and win big. I love the minus three and a half. Next up, Belmont money line versus Murray State. Now, this is not your Murray State of all. This is not the Murray State with John Morant, not to mention their head coach from last year left to become the head coach of LSU and took a lot of players with him. Murray State is not nearly as good as they have been in the past. I love Belmont here. Belmont money line. the spread is even, it's at Murray State, but Belmont is going to take it, mark my words. Last but not least, let's lock this up. Speaking of not being your old self, Marquette Moneyline versus Villanova. Jay Wright is gone, Villanova recruiting is gone. I love Marquette here, they're a top 25 team, they're playing at home, the line I think is about four or five and a half, we're going to play it safe with the money line. All that together parlayed, plus 403, I love those odds, book it. And that, my friends, is going to do it for this episode of Pleasant's Podcast. Thank you all so much, so very much, so very, 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 very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.